Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Doug Hay here with episode 35 of No Meat Athlete Radio, and we've been cranking out the episodes, aiming for two a week, and uh, if you're enjoying them, we would appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review, because that really does help us. I know every podcast says that every episode, and that's because it really does help, so we try not to say it too much, but uh, if you can, we'd really appreciate it. Head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave us a nice review there. So today, we want to talk about a big topic that comes up all the time that I'm actually surprised we haven't yet addressed on the podcast yet, and that is the question of how do you stay motivated. It comes all the time by email, Twitter, in person. It's a big question, and we have some answers for you. Doug, are you motivated to do this? Oh, I am so motivated to get this conversation started. Great. So I know you are because you you are more easily motivated by running for its own sake than I am. I definitely struggle with it more have ups and downs have periods where i get really into it often followed by periods where i'm really not into it and it takes every trick in the book to try to get me out there so i think it'll be a good conversation we both have different viewpoints here and uh i'm looking forward to to hopefully having some of your constant motivation rub off on me actually (laughs) we'll see all right so we talked a little bit about this and there are kind of two areas where this conversation will go the first is kind of with goals and figuring out why you're running, changing your entire reason for running, such as signing up for a big race or having a new commitment to running. And the second one is more of a band-aid approach, kind of if you already have a training program and maybe you're six weeks away from your race, but you're feeling this lull and just having trouble getting yourself out there, what kind of things can you do in the short term to immediately make running more appealing? Exactly, Matt. So let's let's start with this first one. Let's start with how we can use goals and uh, races and big external motivators to to really get us going when it comes to running to really use that throughout the next several months uh, when we're when we're training and you know when we have a lot of running to do okay good so it's no secret that this is like one of my big things talking about goals reading about goals personal development type stuff and that's definitely one of my favorite ways i'm a big big fan of the idea that you're more likely to achieve a really big goal than you are one that's more modest because when the obstacles come up, and a lot of times that obstacle is boredom for me from running, you're going to kind of power through those obstacles if you've got a really compelling goal. Whereas if you have a more modest goal that's not all that exciting, then it doesn't take much to kind of shake you off of that track. So I'm a big fan of saying, like, if if you run marathons and that's and you've done a few marathons in a row and you're just feeling kind of a lag uh double the distance that you're going for like i think if you just double what what you think is possible for yourself as a runner and just allow yourself to do that for a little bit if you're motivated by distance some people aren't of course but if you said okay what if what if running now doesn't mean training for another marathon but means getting myself ready to do a 50 mile race and of course this scales downward too if you've done a 5k you know and that's all you've ever allowed yourself to imagine yourself doing and i've talked to several people who have this situation they do 5k after 5k and can't really even imagine themselves doing any more, even a 10K, I would tell that person, start thinking about a half marathon and look at all the people around you who do half marathons who aren't the most amazing natural runners, but they get it done. And then it's like this whole new world opens up. And if you can get yourself to believe you can do that, 
that can change. I mean, right that there can provide a big boost of motivation to just change what, what running means to you all of a sudden. So increasing the distance is one really big one that I like a lot. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when it comes to increasing the distance, you know, there's something so inspiring and so exciting about um, thinking, you know, signing up, actually clicking, you know, register for the race and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm about to run this marathon and I've never come close to running uh, 26 miles before, you know, and there's it'll, it'll motivate you. It'll, you'll want to just dive into all the blog posts and all the research and all the training programs you can you can find because it's just such this overwhelming goal that that's uh, you know really big and exciting for you. Yeah, and I think that's a good test actually uh, of whether it is the right goal for you because if when you let's let's just say you're a half marathoner and you've always pictured yourself a half marathoner, never really dared to dream that you could do a full. If you imagine yourself signing up for a full and you just kind of suspend reality for a minute and imagine that now you're training for a full marathon, do you have this sudden urge and excitement to go online and just spend three hours learning everything you can and choosing a race and choosing a program and all that? Because if you don't have that, basically if action doesn't flow from this decision or this this even just thinking about this decision, then that might not be the right thing for you. Because I you know I do like don't I don't think people should think too big. If you're not in that kind of mindset where where you can even get yourself amped up to start training for a marathon then perhaps it is too big a goal so you want what i think is find the goal where where the action really does start flowing for that's that's the point of this whole conversation is to find what it is that's going to make you start feeling like you just can't wait to get out there and run so what uh you know there's a little bit of difference between can't wait to go out there and run and the holy crap what did i just do you know is this am i really going to be able to do this kind of uh action you know because those do stem two different types of action so what kind of actions are you thinking of that that we, you know, are the are the good kind, <laughs> right? I mean, I think for me, I when I know I have a goal that's lasting and and a good one. There's a little bit of fear with it, so it's kind of like I can't believe I just announced this somewhere that I'm going to do this thing. And like I said, that that day on the internet where I just sit there all day and get the race logo or map or whatever on my desktop and read everything I can about it look up all these blog posts as you mentioned i don't know to me that I, maybe because i've done this a lot that that has kind of become familiar as like this is a sign that this is actually really going to happen and it's not just running this could happen with with anything with the book tour it was kind of that exact same idea the day i started planning and put all these hours in like once once that had happened i knew it was it was happening like that's it's just kind of the thing that precedes all the actual action of getting out there uh but i think that i think the fear is a good thing if you're if you're if it's unfamiliar to you and you're thinking holy crap what did i just sign up for i mean i don't think it's a bad thing it's it's scary for sure and it's uncomfortable but uh, that discomfort is i think it's good to be to be comfortable being uncomfortable i think that's a really important thing that a lot of people unfortunately these days aren't familiar with at all because we think discomfort i'm going to shrivel away from that and and not do that right and you know and and if you can be uncomfortable with the decision you made uh to sign up for the marathon or the half marathon or whatever it is you're also probably going to have to experience some discomfort and, and dissatisfaction throughout the training. So, you know, you're kind of building yourself up for that. True. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, and we shouldn't stress too much increasing your distance because this isn't right. It, having a big, new, scary goal isn't the only way to motivate yourself. Sometimes it could be as simple as picking a totally new type of race. Like there are all these these different obstacle races and tough mutters and all these different things i don't even know what they all are because none of them seems that interesting to me <laughs> uh, although i did a color run a few months ago and that that actually wasn't very interesting to me either that was that was 
it was uh, its own thing. It was okay. It was fun to do a 5K, but it was weird that it was a color run. But anyway, I mean, just changing up that. If all you've ever done recently is road half marathons, then think about completely changing it. And that maybe requires a different type of training, maybe requires some cross training, maybe requires you to change your your body shape and composition. I mean, let's face it, a runner's body is not often the most attractive one, uh, particularly for men. I mean, we're just, you know, very frail, skinny upper bodies is often favorable for running. But when you pick some on the type of race, you might have this motivation that comes with it, like from, okay, so to do that, I need to do some push-ups and all these other things and actually kind of get in shape. I get motivated by that sort of thing now and then, uh, as anyone can tell by looking at my upper body, just <laughs> how motivated those push-ups make me. Yeah. No, and uh, another one for me right now that's actually uh, a big motivator f- for me in my next big race um, is I've, I've chosen a race that us- that is local and that I can actually run the course uh, on just about every single day. For me, the idea of, of having this really personal experience on race day because I've been training on the course so frequently and I'm able to really get to know it and know all the turns and know all the rocks and and all that stuff and really test uh, what I'm able to do if I spend a lot of time on the course, that's a big motivator for me. So it's partly about speed, but it's also this kind of personal um, attachment to the race itself. You know, So finding different forms of motivation, it doesn't have to be the distance, it doesn't have to be uh, getting a new PR, you know, but it could just be the new challenge or, or the familiar, the familiar, familiarity, like, uh, like I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, and let's also not forget the idea of setting a big goal that isn't a race at all, and that's one that I know you're familiar with, Doug, is the run streak, where you're going to run for a certain amount of days in a row. When I did mine, which lasted, I think, somewhere in the seventy to seventy-five day zone. And the reason that I don't know when it ended is because I didn't have a goal that said, I'm going to run for this many days in a row. It was just, I want to see how long I can run in a row and, and just do something new and fun. For you, it was different. You actually had a set end date when you said, I'm going to run every day until this thing, a, what, a year away or something? It was my wedding. No, I was running every day. I started it a few days after uh, we got engaged and I ran 15 months or whatever. It was every day for 15 months until the wedding day. And then on the wedding day, I ran with uh, a bunch of friends and family who were in town for the wedding, which was which was kind of neat. Including me. Was, That's right. You were there. One. Yeah. And how many days was that, actually? Um, it's, oh, you don't remember? I don't remember. It was like 392 or something like that. Okay. It was so over that, a year. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love that. I mean, I, I had fun with mine, which seems so small by comparison, but that really changed a lot of the way that I ran and thought about running and just... Because to get yourself to go out there for that many days in a row, that alone requires you to explore different things and kind of some of these motivational ideas. I used almost all these things that we'll be talking about during just my 70 days. And you learn a lot about yourself and about running. And for me, that ended up being the the base building period of my 100-miler. Because when I started that run streak, I had been inspired by Scott Jurek's book and Rich Roll's book to start thinking about a 100-miler again. Because I had signed up for one... Uh, two years before that or something and just never even started training this is a great example of a goal that was too big because i signed up for this race announced it on my blog i don't think i ever had the big moment where i was like became obsessed with 100 mile distance and, and put all this time in and picked a training pro in fact i know i did not pick a training program uh and i never started i just like i think the race the 100 miles in my mind back then this was probably 2011 
was was too big. It seemed impossible to me, and I thought that's why I want to do this because this seems impossible and is fun. But the idea of getting started with the training it was just overwhelming. Like it was like, how am I going to get myself up to that? So anyway, uh, I'm I'm getting off track. But the the run streak when I when I got re inspired to do a hundred mile run, I said I'm going to find a way to get this done. Uh, I didn't really know how to start because I hadn't been running that much. But I just said I'm going to try a kind of habit formation approach to running just to get myself running every day to build that habit again. And those 70 days of all, it was just all very slow running, never did any hard stuff. That was the beginning of 100 mile training for me. And it was about, it was a little over a year ahead of time. And it ended, that was a great base. That's a perfect way for me. If you're kind of out of, out of the, whatever it is, out of the swing of things, and you're looking for a way to get back into running because you have something you'd eventually like to accomplish a year or two out, do a run streak. Start with 10 minutes. If, if that's a comfortable thing for you, which I imagine for a lot of runners it is, if you've done whatever, a half marathon full, even a 10K, 10 minutes is probably not too bad. Start with that, try to do it every day, if you can safely handle that, of course. And then after a week, up it to 15 minutes a day. And then after another week, up it to 20. And, and you, I mean, eventually you have to stop adding a lot of minutes on there because you'll, you'll hit a point where it just gets hard. But uh, I would highly recommend that if you've never done it before as a way to just get your motivation back. But I would also... You know, I would certainly want to, uh, if you're planning to do the run streak, I would certainly really go out there even if you don't necessarily want to go. But I I don't know if I would recommend uh, my uh, setting this end goal that was over a year out. I, some of my lowest points of, of running were during that run streak, and that's because I just really didn't want to go, go out there. Yeah. The only reason I was doing it is because, <laughs> you know, I felt like I had to. But <laughs> Right. That's a really long time. I didn't have too many of those. I had a few nights where it was like, got to be dinner time and I realized that I forgot to run and I had to go out and run on a full stomach after drinking a beer and I was like okay I'm uh-huh. just doing this to keep the streak going but because it was so short and there was no end goal of I have to get here mm-hmm. when it got to that point where it was kind of really got boring for me and I wanted to do something else that's when I stopped which right is different for you yeah no and, and I think that that's probably the wiser approach or just a, you know a smaller time period you know if you're doing a month or say 30 days or um, you know, I know that it's really popular. There's Runner's World sponsors a run streak between Thanksgiving and Christmas, okay. Um, which you know is 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 a great idea. Something like that, you know, with the time period, I would totally recommend. Uh, but I don't know if I would, <laughs> I would recommend my approach. But you know, why not? I mean, it it worked for me. I stayed injury free throughout that whole thing, and and I logged a lot of miles, and that you know that was great. Yeah, and I mean, an ultra marathon isn't going to be all roses the entire time either there are going to be really low points in there so this is just sort of a an ultra marathon stretched out over a lot of time where it's not you know of course you get to rest it's not an ultra marathon but it's the same idea i mean you're committing to something really big and hard where you're going to have to run sometimes when you don't feel like it right this just happens to take much longer to actually get through so if it's a bad decision you're kind of stuck with it yeah yeah (laughs) or just don't tell anybody and then you can well yeah i could have but (laughs) right i was gonna make everybody come out on my wedding day i wasn't gonna (laughs) <laughs> right you know i wasn't gonna disappoint <laughs> so anyway i mean this is this is goals and kind of along the same topic i mentioned books and scott jerick's book eat and run rich roll's book finding ultra i happened to read those two right before i started all this and that that really was a big motivator for me and because i'm a reader i just read a lot anyway books have a have a big power to motivate me so if if all this goals talk isn't really resonating and i you know i think i was in this position back then where even the thought of 100 wasn't that exciting until I read a book about it. Uh, I mean, there are plenty of good books about it, and I've mentioned all of them a lot. Born to Run is a great one if you've never read a book. And if you're any kind of runner, 
less than an ultra runner. Even if you are an ultra runner, you'll be inspired by it if you haven't read it. But if you're not an ultra runner and you read it, you're almost guaranteed to want to run an ultra. I mean, some people <laughs> won't, but I, you know, I don't know how you could read that and not say I want to go run 50 miles. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's whatever you think of the writing. I mean, it's, there are some people who don't like Born to Run, but it's hard not to be inspired by that. Right. Yeah. The first time I read it, I didn't really even know what an ultra marathon was, and yeah. immediately was was searching out trails and, and ultras. Yeah. So I mean, plenty of books are out there, and movies for some people are a lot more powerful than books. For some people, not, but. Uh, my favorite, Spirit of the Marathon, is is a great one. I watched Spirit of the Marathon 2 the other day. We got it on Google Play or whatever their thing is, and I did not like it very much. I thought one mm. was great. I used to watch it every night before I would run a marathon, so I'd probably watch it once a year or something and loved it then. But t- I don't know. Two didn't do it for me. Maybe it was all the all the foreign talk and the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to read books. I don't like to read movies. <laughs> so uh, we've had an episode before about – Podcasts and audiobooks and things like that. If it, I mean, if you're doing, an, if it's an audiobook, that probably has the potential to inspire you. But not listening to while you're running this, so just do it in the car or whatever. If that's the way you read books, podcasts, I think of kind of more into this second category we've talked about of like something you can use right. in the short term to get yourself excited about training. Probably not. I mean, with the exception of this podcast, of course, every episode <laughs> that we put out, you're not going to be inspired just to like take on the world after after listening to a podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, but with this one, with this one, it's different. Yeah. Of course. yeah, this is. I mean, this is an amazing podcast. So, right. and it was four hundred and forty-two days. I remembered that 442. was four forty-two. I thought was it was over four hundred. Yeah, yeah. four forty-two. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, anything else in this first category? Actually, you know, I've got a few little things. Just tr- changing up the type of training program you're doing. Mm. So, if you've a lot of runners, I know do the same run every day. It just it's kind of like you get into running, and I did this when I was new. You go find a Hal Higdon program online, beginner's program, and it says every single day all you have is a mileage you have to run. And right. it says run three miles this day, three miles this day, five this day, seven this day, and it's all the same thing. So what happens a lot, and this actually leads to a lot of injury, is people start running those miles at this kind of in-between zone where it's not really hard and it's not easy. So it's you go out for five miles, you start out at a slow pace, you start speeding up as you feel better and better, by mile four, maybe you're kind of pushing it a little bit, and then you just kind of keep doing that until you're done. I think a lot of runners get hurt because they they do this too intense running almost every single day mm-hmm. versus the the much more proven training approach of stressing yourself really hard followed by very, very easy running the next day. And right. you can kind of alternate between these two things. A heart rate monitor can really help you with that. And that's an, if you've never done heart rate monitor training, that can be fun on its own, even without a different type of plan just to do some heart monitor zone workouts and be familiar with this and get this new feedback. You can learn a lot and it's just, it's interesting to see if you like data and stuff, you can, you just get all this information and it it can be actually really fun to use that stuff. Yeah. So if you've only done easy running and you pick up a new program that has interval training in it or hill workouts or tempo runs, that's, that stuff can be really fun. And it, and it really changes, it changes your running from running equals going out there and doing the exact same thing to now running equals, okay, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are each a different type of workout, and the two days, Tuesday and Thursday in between there, are very easy, and that's kind of my day where I listen to something and just zone out and walk if my intensity gets too high. I mean, that then all of a sudden, every single day that you're out there running is different, and I think that, that can be night and day compared to just always running the same the same type of mileage all the time. 
Yeah, and one thing that um, that interests me as a trail runner is uh, course profiles. I get really into the course profile of a race, and it's a little less important um, on the road, but it's it's still important. And and you know when you're training for a race, you should pay attention to that and and uh, train accordingly. But if I, if I have a really hilly course or a really technical course. Um, you know, I like to spend a lot of my time training for that, uh, that type of terrain and that, those hills or, or those flats. And, um, you know, and I'll gauge myself and I'll, and I'll write down throughout my entire training, how I'm doing on, on certain climbs throughout my training and how I'm, you know, handling speed wise, uh, certain, you know, really technical sections of trail and kind of testing myself and pushing myself and, uh, you know, really tracking that throughout my training is, is a big motivator for me. Uh, especially since the course profiles are often, um, you know, something that I'm paying a lot of attention to and are, are really get me excited at the beginning of training. Yeah, and trail running itself can be a huge shift. If you've never done trail running, go do that and learn how to do that. Your website has plenty of stuff for that, rockcreekrunner.com. That's right. <laughs> um, but but that's, I mean, that's so different. That's exciting and fun and, and a totally different kind of running. And then what you said about hills, when we moved to Asheville, actually, not even on trails, but mainly on roads, all of a sudden, I was in a hilly environment, and before that, I had hated hills. It was just the hill was the the nuisance in the workout that you had to get past, and if you could, you would plan a route that didn't involve hills, unless your race was particularly hilly and you kind of had to do it. Mm-hmm. But I know when I moved to Asheville, and all of a sudden, outside of our house is just hill after hill of roads to run, that actually became fun. And I started, I think it was maybe mapmyrun.com, and I don't really use any of those sites, but started figuring out all the elevation changes so that if I'd go out for a 10 mile run one day, I would figure out what the elevation change was. And then next weekend I would see if I can find a better one with more of that. And, yeah. and actually, I mean a very small mindset shift, like there was no reason that all of a sudden Hills became fun. It was just that now I was in a hilly environment. So I said, I'm going to kind of seek these out and actually have fun with them. And right. that, that was for a few months. That was like what I did. And it, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's cool. And Matt, do you ever do any sort of, um, I like to call it base runs. So, uh, one thing that I do is every two weeks I have this this route that incorporates a, a large climb, a longer flat section, and a nice downhill, and and I time myself on that every every two weeks just to kind of check in and see where my base fitness is and and how you know if I'm improving in speed and and I'll actually uh, hit the lap button on my watch um, after each you know each of those sections. So there's a kind of the longer flat section and the hill section. I can see if I'm improving. Uh, on those particular sections. Do you ever do that, uh, that kind of thing? I haven't done it in that amount of detail. I used to have a trail where we used to live that would be, of course, the same distance, and I would just run it all the time. So I would, when I was in shape, I would certainly compare my times on that to previous times and just use that to gauge what kind of fitness level I had. Yeah. Um, but I've also, the Maffetone Method, which is a book, an interesting book about, mainly about not doing any anaerobic training, keeping it very, very... Right. low speed and, and below I think 70% or so of max heart rate he talks there about a big I forget the name of the run that he calls it but basically you I believe wear a heart rate monitor and you go out for some fixed amount of time wearing this heart rate monitor and then you basically see how far you get at that at, at this certain without going over a certain heart zone mm-hmm. and then you get farther and farther as you get in better shape or perhaps it was run the same distance but see what your time how your time changes not according to how fast can you possibly do this, but how fast can you do it at this at given heart rate? rate. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, that those types of things, those types of, uh, you know, for me it's kind of like racing myself basically to get a, you know, every every yeah. two weeks or, or, you know, if it's the heart rate method too. But, you know, kind of 
these these little challenges to yourself uh, every few weeks or whatever uh, can be real motivating and and you know you always want to win right <laughs> that's right of course you do so let's switch to the other thing here the other group of these uh because i think i pretty much exhausted the the big picture tricks that i've ever used to to make running exciting again um what about the little sort of band-aid approaches that if you're a few weeks away from a race and you just need a little pick-me-up or even if it's not that i mean even if you're just looking for a reason to to get out there and enjoy running and maybe it's really hot and it's hard to get out there and run or it's really cold and it's hard to get out there and run what are the little things that we can you do in the moment uh, just to make it make it an easier thing, less boring for some people. Uh, just make it more likely that you're going to get out there and put the miles in. Yeah, for me, a huge motivator uh, when it comes to running is where I'm doing it, the location I'm doing it, um, and ha- what I'm experiencing as I'm running. Uh, you know, if that's uh, the comfort of a of a road or a trail that that's nearby, or um, you know, the excitement of of experiencing, you know, a new trail or seeing something new or, you know, going somewhere, somewhere different. So, uh, when I'm in a rut, you know, normally what I need, what, what's happening is I'm running the same route over and over again, and it's just uninspiring to me. And what I really need to do is get out and see something new, you know, do a new route, find, you know, some other sort of inspiration, either a new challenge for, with bigger hills or, or just, um, something i'm just not familiar with so mixing up the locations is always a really big one for me and here's where we really differ a lot because for me i i'm my wife always makes fun of me because i don't i don't know how to get places in the car very easily <laughs> and like even in my hometown we we moved back to my hometown when we were i don't know after we got together i think we were probably 25 and we moved back there and like she very quickly learned how to get places better than i did even though i grew up there and I guess I just kind of don't pay attention to my surroundings very well. As I said, I'm a, I read a lot, and that's what I did as a kid in the car. I would just bring a pile of books and just put my head in the book the whole time. <laughs> and I'm kind of the exact same way with, with running. I just don't really thrive on what's around me as much as like what's inside my own head. I kind of just focus on that. And running can be great for that. It's a great way to go inside your own head and just have some time that is yours to think. And I, you know, a lot of times I've, I've gone running, and this has happened recently, and I'll run for like an out and back thing, and I'll on the way back I will just realize that it did not even occur to me that I ran this route going out a few minutes ago. Like I don't remember being under this bridge that I obviously was under. Yeah. And it's because I'm I'm thinking and listening to stuff, and and that's one of the big things that running is for me. Right. One of the big uh, habits, kind of that I love, is the idea of going out for a run and listening to something at the same time, just pairing those two habits. And when I say listening to something, I don't mean to be entertained as much as something that will be inspiring or educating, usually something related to my work and what I'm trying to do with that. So if I have those two habits together, a lot of times one will make me do the other. So if I'm if I'm not, for the purposes of this podcast, if I'm not in the mood to go running, if I have a new audio program or new audio book or whatever it is, since that's kind of my time to go do that stuff because I don't have a commute and I have two kids at home and it's really nice to get out and have that break that makes me go running because it's like this is if I don't if I don't go out and run then I'm not otherwise going to have a chance to listen to this thing for an hour that I'm really excited about so that will make me go to the run so a lot of times for me instead of changing the the location and the external stuff it's still external but I'm basically changing what's in my head by by changing what's in my earphones right yeah no that's good and and I think both of us probably run most of our runs by ourselves and we draw different um motivations and different experiences from that but you know i think that those are both good but one thing 
to kind of counter that, I guess for me is as someone who probably runs 95% of his runs by himself, if I'm, if I'm really struggling to get out, it, it really helps me to rely on someone else to get uh, some sort someone else to either run with or a running group. You know, I often uh, in DC, when I lived in, in DC, I, I would go to running groups. They were just all over the place and I could find one just about any night. Um, and they're, you know, they're more social. Uh, the ones I was going to anyway are, are more social and, you know, you're probably not getting the best workout. Uh, but just getting, you know, that's a reason to get out there and you have fun doing it. And sometimes that'll just carry me for a few days, but it doesn't have to be a running group. It can just be a friend or, um, a training partner or something like that that you don't normally run with, but you know, you can call on them and, and they'll get you out and chat about whatever and have a good time. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm definitely not a consistent running group guy. I've been in them before and they're fun. I, it's really fun to go running and then go out to a restaurant or bar or whatever afterwards. Like that's, that's really fun. And it's fun to talk about running with people and just be around people who get it and understand why you do this crazy stuff. Um, but I, I also, I particularly have, have used that during, like I said, I mean, I don't think we differ that much here. When I'm having trouble getting runs in, and I remember this particularly when I, I had, I don't know, gone a few years without running a marathon or, or gone more time than I usually do, whatever it was, that running with a friend made it so easy to pass the time on a 10-mile run. When going out for 10 miles by myself just seemed excruciating, not not because it was hard to get the run on, but because of the boredom. And, like, that's that's a big factor for me, for me that boredom while you're out there. Right. And if you go for a, or go with a friend – you guys can start talking and just, and then five miles will pass like nothing. And that really can make things a lot easier. I am definitely a big fan of that. But because running for me is also my time to be out on my own, and it sounds like it is for you too, just kind of for sure. a different reason. Uh, that, that's why I'm not consistently doing all my runs with a group. But especially for a long one, like I, I do not enjoy a 20-mile run. It's, there's nothing about that that I think is fun. I, I love the three to five-mile daily routine of running. Mm-hmm. That That works really well for me. But when it's – when it's run 20 miles on a weekend when everyone else is drinking coffee and doing whatever, that's not fun for me. That's the work that the, that the race, the goal at the end makes worth it. But if I can have a friend come on that kind of run, I will take it any day of the week because <laughs> it's just it's just so much – passes the time way better. Yeah, and I'm so the opposite, and, and that's so <laughs> funny. But, you know, I think that, again, it comes back to your, uh, the location. You know, for me to wake up at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning and say, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go – way out in the middle of nowhere or i'm gonna do this huge loop um or go on a vacation that is just running (laughs) or go on a vacation that is just running yeah i mean that that gets me so excited you know but that that's how we're different i guess yeah it definitely is so uh, not to make people think here that i'm all that i need headphones to run every single time because i definitely also go through phases where i kind of get into like the zen and meditation stuff and then go out and run Again, not for the experience so much of the environment, though I will make more effort then to kind of look around and, and appreciate surroundings and be in the now and the here, but just to kind of meditate out there, like do some breathing that's of a certain pattern or just with go, go with the goal of paying attention to your breath and seeing how long you can do that and seeing if you can do it for 10 out breaths and 10 in breaths and not in that order though. You do, you do one yeah. out, one in, <laughs> you do 10 of those. Uh, but like so, I'll, I'll, I've done that before, and I can I can go through a twenty or thirty minute run where I just think almost n- not at all about anything but my breathing, and that's fun. I mean, there there are breaks and interruptions, and that just like in any kind of meditation practice, but that can be really fun. And on a similar note to that, mentioning breathing, that's another thing that can really make running fun for me. If I change the way that I'm breathing while I run, and I really do kind of realize that there's not 
it, it, there's no consensus about what kind of breathing pattern works best. Every coach will tell you a different thing. And if you look at elite runners, the answer often is that they just don't think about breathing. It's just kind of like they, they breathe in the way that's most natural because the body kind of knows how to run. But when you look at some of these prescriptions for how you should breathe, a lot of them can be really fun. Like I wrote a post a while ago about breathing just through your nose. There's mm-hmm. a book called Body, Mind, and Sport that talks a lot about breathing just through your nose. And it's also kind of that Maffetone idea of doing really slow-paced runs. But right. he, this guy claims that you can work up to the point where you can be running sprints, breathing just through your nose. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, I definitely improved. I started out on very, very slow runs. I wouldn't recommend this unless – I mean, read the book and think about it before you do it because you do kind of run short of air as you're training to do this. Right. And it becomes a judgment call of, like, when do you give up and just open your mouth and accept that you're running a little bit too hard right now up this hill to do nose breathing exclusively. But so this is, was also during that running streak. I just For a lot of these easy miles, I was just breathing through my nose only and making a point to keep my mouth shut. And that got to be really fun. And I got to be better at it where I could run up a decent hill, much, much higher intensity, and still not have to open my mouth. So it felt like now I was this super efficient runner who could who could breathe so much better. It didn't actually amount to any actual improvement in running. <laughs> but it was fun. And it was, I don't know, I just enjoyed it just made it seem like I was handling the intensity better, and I, I enjoy that. I don't know that it does anything at all for your running, but um, this guy claims it does in this book. Yeah, we, I, I was trying that, I think probably inspired by, by your poster, at least a, a conversation we had about it. I went through a phase when I was doing that regularly, starting every run, and I would try to do at least the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. uh, just with, with nostril breathing. Um, and I think that has carried over. I don't know if it's made me any better, but I definitely think it's carried over, and I often find myself doing it naturally now uh, without even thinking about it. Um, it was one of those things. I mentioned that when you had a heart rate monitor or when I had a heart rate monitor, I enjoyed that because there was that feedback, and you kind of learn about your body. You learn about these different zones because you've started to associate a heart rate number with it. And suddenly that little anchor that, that kind of signals that you're in a different zone, that that allows you to, to pay better attention to your body. And so now you feel what... 140 beats per minute heart rate feels like versus 160 and you'd notice the different things that are going on in your body when you're at those different zones at least that's what happened to me with breathing i started to notice like if i could breathe in with my mouth shut breathe in for four steps and out for four steps because i would count the steps and kind of time the breaths that way according to my steps assuming that i was running about the same cadence so that so that there was the same amount of steps per unit time so that then becomes a way to measure what intensity you're running, right? Like like how how many steps can I maintain and breathe comfortably? So I right. got to the part, very, very slow runs, I could do six or nine steps breathing out and six or nine steps breathing in. And then I would notice when there was a very, very slight change in the grade, if it was now running up a hill, that all of a sudden I couldn't do that anymore. Sure. And it was just this little signal that now I'm running at a higher intensity when otherwise you might not have noticed that. You might not notice this tiny upgrade that you're now running up mm-hmm. because you, you just tend to power through it and not even notice that you're there but but this breathing then became a little kind of anchor thing that said okay you've just increased your intensity a little bit because now you are breathing for fewer steps so i mean i realize most people aren't going to go do that exercise but this is kind of the way that that breathing became uh, a boredom killer for me like just something to think about and focus on and really dive into yeah and i think that that's that's exactly what we're talking about right now is, you know, is coming up with ways like this, just as one example of, of things that will get you excited and, and kind of mix up your routine and, and help you when, when things get boring and, and tough. Yep. Of course we haven't mentioned, well, we mentioned it, but we haven't suggested it. Um, 
look, go look, find podcasts. There are so right. many great podcasts out there, more than you will ever have time to listen to, and more episodes on. When you find a new one, and there's 200 episodes on there for you to listen to, and you know you'll never get to them all because they're still making new ones. Uh, I mean, it's it's overwhelming how much information there is out there, and a lot of it you got to filter through it and find the good stuff because anyone can make a podcast now, and it doesn't. You know, as we were clearly demonstrating, <laughs> it doesn't mean they're good. Um, but yeah, there's tons of stuff. There's no shortage of information. If you want to find a podcast on a topic, you can probably find it and and learn a whole lot of stuff. And just and now you are yeah, you're multitasking basically while you're running, so you can learn something interesting. Some people don't like multitasking. I get that, and I, I go through those phases too, where I just try to do one thing. But most of the time, it's nice to be doing something else other than other than running while I'm running. Yeah. I hear you. The another thing that I want to talk about is, but this especially if I'm in the middle of training and you know I'm say a month or or two months out from the big race, is to check back in on the original goal, check back in on the race and why my motivators for signing up in the first place, and really, um, you know, kind of to remind myself and let those motivators re-motivate me to to get excited about the goal again. So that might mean going back and and you know reading race reports from other people who have run the race or it may mean talking to friends about the race or you know going back to the beginning of my training cycle and looking at everything I've done whatever it is kind of just checking back in with that with that goal is is a big you know re-motivator for me yeah that's a really common like personal development technique anyone who does that kind of goal setting stuff running or not if you if you set goals a lot of times the goal setting program and i'm thinking of tony robbins type stuff because that's what i do mm-hmm. um it's always first you set a goal and you figure out what is it is that you want and what you're going to try to do and then you spend more time than that figuring out all your reasons why and you list all these reasons why you want to do that and then really that's what you pay attention to. i mean yes you're supposed to review the goal every now and then but it's kind of put those whys where you're going to remember them and see them so that you're constantly reminded of why you want this so badly, and and that's that's what gets get that's what like juices it up and makes it exciting. Those reasons why all these things of getting this goal will mean to me. Uh, that's that's you know that's what it's all about connecting with those whys. Yeah. So on that note, um, I think we can wrap it up. I don't have too many more. I mean, I have I wrote down shoes as we were preparing for this. That if I get a new pair of shoes or mm. the minimalist thing was Clothes was the big example. Yeah. And I thought about clothes too. I'm not that motivated by by running fashion, but I suppose if I got a nice, funky pair of uh, compression socks or something, or a new bandana, yeah. I might be <laughs> new bandana. As if I have a bandana, I have new bandanas. <laughs> uh, but you know, the minimalist movement is a great example. When when everyone wanted to do the minimalist thing to run as close as they possibly could to barefoot, especially if you were a trail runner, so you could feel the ground and feel the rocks. Like that was my reason for going for a lot of runs then. It, it it's not something that was really lasting like you kind of got over that feeling the earth thing as we were talking about earlier like we were all kind of into that for a little while and then then, mm-hmm. then it became less important suddenly right but that was that was a reason to go run and an excitement thing when when those five fingers first showed up i remember at my house or when i got them at the running store whichever it was you know i couldn't wait to go running each day and you had to transition in slowly so you could only do a few miles at a time and those those miles were so much fun because it was like the only you had to do it slow and it was you were feeling the ground and the rocks and you know, so it can be that way. And hokas have been a similar experience. It feels like you're in a in a bounce castle all of a sudden, <laughs> and and it's fun for a little while to do that. It's these things aren't to me lasting things like like a big race goal or, or non race a big goal in general. But uh, they can they can help you get through something. Like if you're really bored with running and you go get a new pair of shoes, that that might be enough to get you through the next few weeks. And then 
being back into it for a few weeks might be enough to get you thinking about some new big thing that, that's going to kind of carry you through the next year or whatever it is of running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and one last uh, one for me is I like to pick local smaller races, much shorter than whatever my end goal is. So if it's a if it's a marathon or an ultra, you know, maybe a 5K or, or an 8K or something like that that has zero pressure and has, you know, it doesn't matter how fast I go or anything like that, but just kind of being in the race environment with people and uh, being excited to go out there, you know, is, is definitely a motivator. And it kind of reminds me of, of why I like running to begin with, you know, all the whole community and togetherness right. and all that stuff. Yeah, and very similar to that, which will actually bring us full circle back to the first tip we gave, which was to pick a new distance. We suggested doubling your distance, or I suggested doubling your distance. And I think we have a little bit of a bias on this podcast towards ultra running because just that's what you and I have both done recently, and that's kind of what's exciting to us. But what about if you've been a marathoner for a while or a half marathoner, what about trying to set your, your mile PR mm. and running a faster mile than you could run in college or high school? I mean, it's, it's not for everyone for sure. I've never tried to do this, but right. I know when I was in, when I was training to qualify for Boston, uh, doing track workouts and speed workouts for the first time in, in years, it was, I don't know. I ran a, during a 5k, a five something mile, a 540. And I was like, that, that is amazing that I did that because I was a 720 miler in, in middle school and high school. That was like the fastest a mile ever got for me. Right. So if, if suddenly I set the goal, you know, to say, I'd like to break five minutes in the mile. I honestly, I don't know how, how hard that would be or whether that's kind of a reasonable or whether that's ridiculous goal, just cause I'm not familiar with that stuff at all. But think about doing a, a really much shorter distance or go for your 5k PR. If you've always been a marathoner, I mean, these things can really change. Like training is so different for, for that kind of distance. Racing is especially different, but uh, it's just it's just another example of a new of a new type of race you could do or a new distance of race without saying that that new has to mean longer because it certainly doesn't. Right, and you to take that an even step further, <laughs> uh, you know you could you could actually take a break from running. I guess it, this isn't ideal if you're a month out from a big race, but you know looking exploring a different cross training options you know mm-hmm. try getting on a bike or, or or swimming or parkour or whatever it is that that would get you uh excited do that a couple of days a week and instead of going for a run and see if that uh, just kind of re-energizes the fitness part of you yeah absolutely i think it i think it totally could and getting that that fitness side of you re-energized that's that's what i was kind of getting at earlier when i said that runners don't have very nice bodies to begin with as, as <laughs> male. i mean it running for me has become a lot not about fitness the way that i used to think of fitness like the way that a, a crossfitter thinks of fitness as as and i don't mean to bash crossfitters but like <laughs> when i think of a crossfit guy i think of him like looking at himself in the mirror maybe i'm confusing that with like the old guys in the college gym the big guys who i hated who you know were so much bigger than me but you can i can get inspired by that again like i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get really muscular and just be in the best shape of my life not necessarily be able to run the furthest I've ever been able to run in my life. That that's kind of a different thing. And it, as as any CrossFitter will tell you, being able to run far does not imply fitness. Like a lot of apparently when right. when a runner shows up to CrossFit, they're they're in terrible shape according to a lot of the CrossFit people because they can't do any of these these movements there, and and they're not good at lifting weight. They don't have a lot of strength, especially upper body, but but other places too. So anyway, I'm I'm not hating on CrossFitters or runners here, yeah, uh, but yeah, but just pointing out that there are totally different types of fitness, and you can get really motivated by one if you've only thought of the other for a long time definitely definitely all right well i think we've rambled on a little bit longer than we planned here but uh that's okay hopefully people don't mind and uh like we said if you've enjoyed these podcasts these recent ones we're on a little bit of a of a streak here you might say we're motivated to be putting out podcasts (laughs) uh 
And if you're enjoying that, please help us keep it up. Let us know on iTunes that, that we're doing a good job, if you think we are. And uh, that's it. We've got some new interviews lined up soon, and then we'll do another one of these with it before too long. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you're feeling pumped up, and, uh, and we appreciate you listening. That's great. Thanks a lot, Matt. All right. See you guys.